just saying, <laughs> just saying, if you want to kind of act like you like each other. <laughs> and that second row, does it still have all those reserved seat signs on it? But you can sit there anyway today, this morning. And if, you, and if you sat between Bill and Dana, woohoo! Oh my goodness. <laughs> now there's a smart man. <laughs> so, I, I realize I, I probably just created a lot of trouble for myself, but oh well. <laughs> mm, I know. <laughs> now, when we. When we do these healing seminars, we have a lot of um, goals in mind, if you will. One is that people would just learn more about healing, like how to do it and become comfortable and, and confident and competent in doing it. Part of it in moving forward in healing is get rid of, getting rid of the old mindsets that just aren't in alignment with the truth of God and that would really hold us back from confidently stepping out in the healing ministry. Um, and I, I love to teach on that kind of stuff. Uh, Bill is probably the supreme activator that I've ever seen. You know, he just, he brings, everywhere we go, he, he'll be bringing people alongside him, and he'll kind of do it once or twice, and then it'll go, okay, now your turn, and he starts releasing people, and they just get lit because they realize, wow, these things are loaded. There's power, and God's going to use me. And um, I, I don't know. I, I certainly believe in that. I just don't see myself do it with the frequency that I see him do it. So I just I feel like he is supreme at that. I think maybe one of the places where I'm more confident is in trying to tear down old mindsets and just ridding people of bad theology, bad thinking, bad believing. Um, and I'm going to be doing that this morning in what I'm teaching on. And I actually have three CDs out there on our book table that are about destroying old mindsets. The one this morning that I'll actually be speaking is created for good works. But there's a couple others that I want to call to your attention. One is the truth about healing. <clears throat> Has anybody here ever heard someone talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh being a physical ailment? Anybody heard that? Yeah, yeah. You got the argument for that, about why that's not true? Oh, oh, it is true. Is not. <laughs> that's not true. And the, and the biblical foundation for debunking that is in this teaching. Um, anybody heard anybody talk about the man who was born blind, you know, and Jesus and his disciples walked by and they see him and they, the disciples immediately want to know whose fault is this? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? And Jesus says, he says, you know, nonsense. We're not talking about that. Just let the works of God be made manifest that God will be glorified kind of thing. And people sometimes take that thinking that Jesus meant, well, God planned this so that at maybe right now at this point in history, God's glory will be made manifest as Jesus heals him. But that's not what he's saying. And when you understand some of the 
Greek words that are used and what they really meant, then you'll be able to say to people, you know, I used to think that way one time, but now I understand why that's not right. It's always God's will to heal. God doesn't heal sickness. He, he, he just doesn't. I mean, any of you who are parents, would you give sickness to your child for whatever good reason you might think of? Of course not. And our Heavenly Father is perfect, and of course He's not going to do that. But we want to be... We want to be armed. We want to be equipped. We want to be able to help people step into the truth so that they can begin to step more and more into the fullness of what God has for all believers. So this CD tackles actually four of the, the most common scriptures that are used by people to kind of explain or justify or rationalize their belief that God either gives sickness or he just somehow capriciously allows it. And who knows, today maybe my maybe my day that God's just going to pour out sickness on me. we got to destroy that kind of thinking, and I think that this CD really helps with that. Then this teaching. This is one of my favorite teachings, and I would do it here this morning, except that I've done it here twice, and I figure it might be time to do something different. This is called Dimensions of Healing. This is actually like going in... Thank you. Dimensions of Reality. Healing, whatever. It's all the same. Healing is reality, right? So... Um, this is going into quantum places with healing, with understanding how things work. And I talk about, not that I'm qualified to, but I do talk a little bit about quantum science in here and how that relates to the whole healing thing and, and what's going on and what kind of reality are we living in and how do we step into that reality and how do we, how do we live that out. And, and as we begin to realize that, we begin to realize, I am not limited by this natural world. Jesus certainly wasn't. God certainly isn't. Well, we got him inside us, so we aren't. And we, we need to, to understand that so that we can really take hold of that and appropriate that. And then I get to tell you all, even though Bill did last night, I, but I'll give you the, okay, I was going to say unbiased, but I suppose that's not true. I'll give you the wife's perspective. I think this is a really great and fun book. It's, um, it's a chronicle of some of the earliest years of the outpouring of the spirit that we've been in since 1994 that started in Toronto. Uh, as Bill got to travel with Randy Clark all around the world, I mean, he would leave me for two weeks a month for 16 months and go travel and come back with these amazing stories. Um, so he, he chronicles that. As well, he just inspires faith. People read this book, and they'll tell us. They'll email us and say, okay, I believe I can do it. And they start stepping out because they realize it's not just for the spiritually elite. It's for the believers. Every believer. You can be a brand-new, two-minute-old believer, and it's for you. And you can be someone who's been 20 years believing and thinking, someday I'll get to do this. And yeah, today is someday for you. You get to do this. And it's, it's just fun. And you get to know a little more about Bill's quirkiness, and that's kind of fun to know. So you get to know a little bit about Dano, too. Enough said there. <laughs> so who needs to be encouraged, inspired, and entertained and would love to have a copy of this? You got it. Welcome. <laughs> Dimensions of reality. Who wants? Oh, there you go. You're 
more information about the truth about, okay, there you go, truth about healing. That's always fun to give stuff away. using Ephesians chapter 2 to launch from, so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, you can do that. I'm going to read it. You don't have to do that. It's, it's not mandatory. It's optional. Is that, you trust me to read it correctly? Yeah, I, I would say that you could. I do have a little piece of my Bible torn out that I'm going to be reading through, and I just hope that I remember the words that go there. This this is my was my high school graduation from my parents, and <clears throat> it's been rebound once or twice now. I don't remember, and some of the parts of it aren't here anymore. It's kind of like me. Some of the parts aren't here anymore. Some of the parts have relocated. You know, oh gosh, <laughs> some of them look a little different these days, but. But it's sort of like the Velveteen Rabbit, right? <laughs> How many of you know who the Velveteen Rabbit is? Yeah. 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 It, it was love to life. It was ragged and, yeah, well, explains a lot. A deprived childhood. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm just going to read the first 10 verses here. This, I, this is so stirring. I love this passage. And when I read you in here, because there's you in here or we in here, why don't you just kind of silently put your own name in there? Make it really personal for you, because I know he means it that way. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, and you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Sounds hopeless. A situation that we can't fix. But I love this next sentence. But God. Don't you love the but gods? <laughs> the but God. But God. God who is, well, I'll, I won't add my own words. God who is rich in mercy. Out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness, in kindness, toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. We partner our faith with his grace and we get salvation. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not because of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ. 
Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared before beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. God, you are so good. Mm. Every time I read that word, something new sinks in with the depth of your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your relentless pursuit of each one of us, your outrageous generosity towards each one of us. God, expand our capacity to understand and contain that. Fill us up, overflowing. Speak to us this morning, told me about the vision that he saw, I just ask that the wind of your spirit would blow through me, just blow through me into the hearts and the minds of your people. Give us fresh revelation, deeper understanding, greater appreciation, heightened anticipation. God, you're so And as your spirit blows like a wind in here, I ask that you just blow away anything that would be standing in the way of our receiving all that you have for us. be made manifest here. Your glory shine all around us. Your truth fill us and set us free. Because you're worthy, Father. coming here this morning, I know the Lord let me just feel the heaviness that was in someone's heart, and I just say to you right now, grab hold of the joy in the air. Grab hold. Grab hold. Grab hold. Grab hold. Mm, don't be weighed down. Ho! With despair, with disappointment, don't be weighed down. Let it go. There's joy in the air. Take hold of it right now. 
a day without joy juice is like a day without sunshine. <laughs> joy juice. <laughs> Drink the joy juice. say this to the just just keep enjoying but I want to say this to those of you who don't feel much of anything and don't manifest like you see and hear others doing that doesn't mean you don't get to receive what's being poured out it doesn't mean that at all it just means that your physical body responds differently to the presence of God and your physical body might be very very still and quiet oh and you can be getting a download that is tremendously profound. the deal if you're if you're sitting there worrying about what's wrong with me or what's wrong with them you can miss that This doesn't count, so I, I haven't started yet. <clears throat> the whole thing about the people who manifest and the people who don't when the presence of God is active, it, it has to do with your soul, not in any kind of bad way. But everybody is wired a certain way. And some people are wired to be more rational, and some people are wired to be more emotional. And those who tend to be wired more emotionally are the ones who tend to respond more in a manifesting kind of way when the presence of God comes. It has nothing to do with your spirituality at all. And so to sit there and judge it or criticize it or feel like a failure or anything like that is just to totally miss the point. The point is, when, when you see those things happening, if you're not one who feels then I would suggest to you, you know, if there's people that you know and trust and you see them manifesting, then just go, okay, God, your presence is being released here, and I'm just going to relax into that and receive what you have for me. And just let him fill you even more. Let him reveal things to you. 
So remember that the, the manifesting has to do with the soul and how, how you're more dominant, either rationally or emotionally. It has nothing to do with anybody's spirituality. The important thing is, are you receiving what God's giving out? Are you becoming more like him? more filled with his love, his power, his truth, his grace, his goodness. Oh, are we becoming so filled that we just spill wherever we go? And people are touched by his love, his goodness, his power, his healing. That, that's the goal. The goal is not to flip and flop, as fun as that can be. The goal is to get so filled up that we spill. So Lord, I just thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. your heart to bless us, Lord. That's your heart, Lord, to bless you children, to bless us with really good stuff. <laughs> She's got the emotion. some of you marinate, and those with ears to hear, <laughs> going to do a little teaching, and then we're going to see what God wants to release in the room. So I want to focus in on verse 10, but I, I want to I establish us in what he's saying prior to that. He's making it really clear that nothing that we do earns us salvation. That's a gift of grace. And like I said, as we partner our, great, our faith with his grace, then we are saved. So we can't take any credit for our salvation. I mean, he says, we are God's workmanship. How could our works save us? We're his workmanship. Our works don't save us. But he's not discounting the importance of our works. And that's what I want you to grab hold of. We've got, we got to get this straight. Our works don't save us, and our works are important. We're created for good works. We're created for those things. They don't save us, but they do. They glorify God, and they edify people. Our good works. We're created for good works. So, so let's look at that phrase, good works, for just a second. Because it's really important that you understand what those good works are about. So that word good in the Greek is agathos. That's the same word that that man used who came to Jesus one time and said, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And remember Jesus' response to him? He responded to him and he said, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Because you see that word good, and he says, because only God is good. 
that word good refers to the character, the quality, the nature of God. And so this man is coming to Jesus and calling him good teacher. It's like saying you have the goodness, the quality, the nature, the integrity of God. And Jesus, I think, is wanting this man to to recognize that and to decide for himself, is that really what I mean? Am I, am I just saying something in a flattering kind of way? Oh, good teacher. Or do I really know what I'm saying? That this teacher has a God quality about him that I don't see anywhere else. Because only God is good. So that, that good there, the good works that were created for it, those are God works. Those are the kinds of things that you and I can't do on our own. We're not talking about Boy Scout, Girl Scout good deeds. We're not talking about helping the elderly across the street or bringing the casserole to the neighbor who's sick. We're talking about supernatural kinds of things, things that are beyond our capability as human beings. Good works. That word works, that's an interesting word. That word in the Greek is ergon. We get our word energy from that word. I have a friend who's um, an electrician, and I was talking to him one time as I was kind of working through this passage, and I said, okay, so tell me, me about energy. I know I know there's 110 because I plug my hair dryer into that. And I know there's 220 because I plug my clothes dryer into that. And if I plug my hair dryer into the 220, I'm going to blow it up. And if I plug my clothes dryer into the 120, I don't know what happens, but probably nothing. But I wanted to know, are there, are there other voltages, amounts, whatever. And he said, oh, yeah, lots. I said, really? Like what? He said, oh, just lots. I mean, the numbers get really big. This is the same word, ergon. This is the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians 12 when it talks about the varieties of gifts, the varieties of service, the varieties of working. That working, that word is ergon. So there's there's empowerings, there's energizings, there's varieties of empowerings and energizings that are given by the Holy Spirit. And I don't even know how big the numbers get in terms of electrical energy that electricians deal with. I, I know it gets up there pretty big. But I also know it doesn't come close to this energizing of God. Because God is, he's the author of power and energy, right? Right? So this is a number that we don't have a name for. This is like 60 gazillion to the millionth. That, these are God works, God energizings, God empowerings that he's talking about. We are created for the supernatural, spectacular, amazing, breathtaking things that get to happen on planet Earth. You know, I think it's kind of funny sometimes when people get all wigged out about somebody manifesting when the presence of God is being released. Because I think, you know, if I were to go stick my finger in a switch over there, my body would have some kind of reaction. My question isn't why do people manifest? 
My question is, why aren't we all frisky critters when God gets close? The God of all power, all energy, he comes and we, we're touched by him. We're transformed by him. We're empowered by him. So Paul's writing here that we are God's workmanship. He created us. In Christ Jesus, for good works. I want to say something, and I'm going to back it up. I believe that everyone in here is created for good works of healing. Everyone. That doesn't mean everyone's going to have a healing ministry. It doesn't mean everyone's going to be leading healing crusades. It doesn't mean everyone's going to be Benny Hinn. It doesn't mean that. But I do believe with all my heart that everyone who's a believer is created for healing. That there are healing works that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. And I say that based on some scriptures. I'm going to build that case for you for a minute here. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends the disciples out, the 12, and it says he gave them power and authority. He gave them power to go and to heal the sick. And he told them, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. He gave them power to do that. And some people say, right, and it ended with them. Well, then they didn't read chapter 10. Because in chapter 10 of Luke, it says Jesus sent the 70 out, and he told them to do the very same thing. Go and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. And then some people will say, well, yeah, but, but all of that ended either, there's a couple of different offerings here, either at the death of the last apostle or at the canonization of the Bible. So, because when that happened, then we didn't need healing anymore because the healing was sort of the proof that this was all real until we got the Bible, and now we've got the Bible, and so we don't need that. I, I, I can't understand that. Do people today need healing? Has anybody in this room been healed by God? Well, aren't you really glad that that didn't stop? You see, Matthew 28 after his resurrection, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He didn't mean me, God. He meant me, man, because God never lost it, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's like at least 49 different commands in the Gospels that Jesus gave. I just want to focus on one. He said, heal the sick. Now he's telling his disciples, you go make disciples and teach them to do everything I commanded you. So he commanded them, heal the sick. So now they're to go and teach others to heal the sick. And not only that, but now he's given another command. He's told them, you go and you do this. So that means that now these new disciples are to go and do this. And their disciples and their disciples and their disciples all the way down to 2012 
right here in Livermore, California. Heal the sick. He wouldn't tell us to do that if he hadn't already made it possible for us to do it. He wouldn't tell us to do that if he didn't think we could. But it says right here that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So everyone here is created for works of healing. Everyone here, everyone here crosses paths with people who need healing. And not all of those people go to church. And not all of those people go to Benny Hinn Crusades. And those people need to know the love of God for them, released in a practical way. A way that says to them, I know your pain. I've taken it. Be free. Be healed. So I absolutely, with no qualms, say to you, Every one of us is created for healing. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for God energizes. Fabulous works, supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. we should walk in them. It doesn't say that we will walk in them. It says that we should. I often tell people when they say, oh, I should have done this or that, well, don't should on yourself. That's, that's sort of condemning. This is not condemning. This is, this is telling us it's not, an it's not an inevitability. It's an invitation. We are being invited into something. God's already prepared it. He had us in mind, each of us, specifically each of us. He had us in mind, and he prepared specific things. And he's saying, will you come in this? Will you partner with me in my healing work here on planet Earth? Will you join with me? And the sad thing is, a lot of Christians never do. A lot of Christians never do. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We're not even talking today about the people who don't believe in this stuff. We're talking today about people who do believe that this is for real, this is put together. And yet they don't step into it. A lot of people think, well, this is for the spiritually elite. And, you know, I'm not sure who that is other than Jesus, but. We've known people who got healed and that day started praying for people and they got got saved and they started praying that day for people who got healed. So it, it's not like you have to have so many years under your belt proving that I'm a good Christian before God will release that through you. You know, healing, healing is really like the kindergarten stuff of Christianity. Think about it. When Jesus first sent the disciples out, the first assignment he gave was heal the sick. Now, he taught a lot of other stuff, really hard stuff, like love your enemy, 
forgive everyone everything. Don't judge anybody. I mean, hard stuff. But when he started his disciples out, he sent them out to do the easy stuff, go heal the sick. And they did. And they were thrilled. And he's saying to us, you are my workmanship created in my son, Christ Jesus. For good works that I've prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Come on, will you walk in them, he says. So why don't people? Well, I can't speak for everybody and I can't speak for every reason. But I can speak from my own experience and I'll share from that this morning because I know that it will speak to some of you. I think often we disqualify ourselves. We just decide, mm-mm, I'm not qualified for that one. That's what I did. I did that for a long time. I disqualified myself. I'm going to give you the three top reasons that I disqualified myself, starting with number three. And that one was bad comparisons. <clears throat> I got saved many years before Bill did. I used to lie in bed at night after I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I realized there's power in these hands now. And as he was sleeping, I would just real softly lay my hand on his back and I would just say, God, get him. Get him, God, get him. And one day, obviously, God got him. (laughs) And immediately, I mean, that very day when God touched him, encountered him, empowered him, that very day, He laid hands on someone with a physical need, and they were instantly healed. And I know it's true because it was me. And he was like on a rocket ship, just taking off, soaring in this healing thing. He was pursuing it with everything in him. He was finding out who moves in a healing anointing, and if they're in town, he's he's going to their meetings. He starts bringing people into a I'm not kidding you. Anybody heard of Tim's story? Moves, I don't know what he's doing these days, but at that point he was moving in a powerful healing anointing. Brought him into our living room. Okay, this one you might have trouble believing, but it's true. Benny Hinn. He brought him into our living room. Okay, I'm talking television with both of these guys. But he brought him into our living room, and he's just glued, watching everything they do, and learning, and absorbing, and getting inspired, and getting empowered, getting impartations. He's just, he's hot after it. And I'm comparing myself to him. I'm looking at him and going, you know, within an hour, you're saved, filled, delivered, empowered healing the sick, and I've been saved a whole lot longer than you, and I haven't healed the sick. And then I'm looking at these other people that he's hanging around with, Randy Clark and you know, others that he started to meet, and he's hanging around with them, and he's, he's watching shows, television shows, and, and I'm seeing all these people, and I'm thinking, I, I don't compare to that. Obviously, I can't do that. I mean, I've I've tried my hand at it. Come, Holy Spirit, be healed. Nope. Oh, well. I I guess there's nothing in this hand for that. 
Jews have it, but I don't understand why I didn't. I was saved way before you. I, I was a pastor, and you weren't even saved. I mean, you'd think. And he says, well, do you ask? Is it God or Samaritan? That would be highly presumptuous. God is the giver. as he wills. And if he doesn't will, then I won't. And Bill says, huh, because I ask every day. Well, then I guess I will too. And I started asking. Bad comparisons. I mean, how many of us have compared ourselves to others? People who move powerfully in an anointing. And we go, well, I don't do that. that. That doesn't happen when I do anything, so that must not be for me. You know, I figured out it's sort of like trying to compare apples to oranges or, or the apple trying to compare itself to the orange. And so the apple says, well, I don't have those nice, neat little sections that everybody loves. And, the, and I'm the wrong color. I don't, I can't. That's silliness. They're not meant to be compared. They're two different things, and so are you and I and all of us. We're each unique. We're God's workmanship. You know, he didn't make a mold and spit us all out. He fashioned each one of us individually. And he drew. He drew from our ancestry lines from the DNA, the spiritual DNA, the, the physical DNA. He drew and made each one of us exactly who we would be like no other ever. And for us to compare ourselves to each other is just silliness. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work. It, well, it's not helpful. Let me put it that way. It's not the least bit helpful. Because if I compare myself to you, I come up short because I'm not like you. <laughs> so bad comparisons. Eh, bad, bad reason to disqualify. Second one, bad consequences. Well, I don't know about you, but I've prayed for a whole lot of people who didn't get healed. Or at least they didn't in front of my eyes. If they did get healed, I've never known about it. They walked away with whatever they walked up with. I've prayed for people who died. I, I don't think they died because I prayed. <laughs> but I know they didn't live. Well, not in the physical body anyway. I mean, there was one young woman. And we really got... We really got attached to her. She was 30 years old. She had a 10-year-old daughter. She had gotten married two years earlier to the man of her dreams, and you know, she's just got everything to live for. She was in the hospital, sharing a room in the hospital with someone from our church. And when Bill got called to go minister to the person in our church, and this other woman and her husband, and, you know, petitioned off by the old curtain kind of thing, they're hearing what's going on over there. 
So as Bill's getting ready to leave, they said, would you pray for Beth? She's got cancer. And Bill says, of course. So he prays for her. And she actually gets healed. And the doctors were stunned. They said, wow, only one chemo treatment. We've never seen it work this fast. Right. And you still haven't because that was the power of God. But she wasn't anybody that he knew. And she lived in a different part of the city. And she went to a different church. And, you know, all contact was lost. And several months later, she called up and she said, the cancer's all gone. Would you pray for me? And I got involved then, and Bill and I would go and pray. And, and she was a beautiful young woman. She had this beautiful long hair, and we'd pray. And her hair was just shiny and full. And we prayed for her when her hair was all gone because of her chemo. We prayed for her when she was in the hospital. And, you know, the nurses would come in, and they would say to her, we don't know what it is about your room, but there's something different here. It's like a light is in this room, and we come in this room, and it, oh, it just feels so good. It feels so heavy and dark in those others, all these other rooms, but your room. She goes, you don't know what Jesus is in here. We prayed for her when she was at home under hospice care. We prayed for her when we couldn't even touch her because she was in so much pain. We prayed for her one time at a, a meeting that she came to. I don't, I don't even remember who the speaker was, but or it was Randy, okay. And there was an altar call given for people to receive Jesus. And her little 10-year-old daughter goes up. And I had really mixed feelings. Because my concern was that she was going up there to bargain with God. And I'm going, oh God, don't let her do that. Let her know who you really are and your love for her. And then we got the call one day. Her husband called to say, we don't need to come today. She's going to be with Jesus. And when you really get invested in someone's life and you pray for them, and you want it almost as much as they do, tendency can be when you pray for someone and they don't get healed to just step back and well obviously I don't have enough and this hurts and I can't do this but you've got to remember we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works he prepared beforehand that we should when we have that rising up in us, and we have a consequence that we don't like, then rather than stepping back, just step in and go, God, I don't understand everything. I know this, though. Everyone that Jesus prayed for got healed. Everyone who came to him got healed. Without exception, and he said that those who follow him would do the works that he did and even greater. God, I'm not in that place yet, so I'm coming to you and I'm saying, I've got to have more. Teach me, God. Fill me, God. Empower me, God. Anoint me, God. I've got to have more. 
But too often, when there's too many bad consequences, the result is just stepping back and saying, I'll leave that to the ones that seem to be anointed in it. Bad choice. Bad choice. And number three, or actually number one. Yes, bad choices. Anybody here made bad choices in your life? Things that you wish you could go out and just rub them out, like they never happened? You know, I mean, God does that, doesn't it? Doesn't he? He, he? he does. He rubs them out. He forgives us. And he doesn't even see that anymore. But sometimes it's hard for us to not see them anymore. And I know for myself, my thought was, I made one bad choice too many. And I honestly felt like I was disqualified from, this is going to sound weird, but something as holy as healing. It's like I can teach, I can, I can pray for people, but healing has to sort of flow up there in this holy realm that I'm not qualified for. I'm disqualified from that. I, I can't do this. And I've unfortunately known a lot of other people who feel like the choices that they've made have disqualified them. It's like, I can do some things, and I thank God that I get to do those things. And I'm just disqualified from these other things. It's been really fun. We've gone into prisons, and we, we always end up talking about healing, and we always end up just praying over the inmates that they would be filled with the power of God to heal, and then we activate them to begin healing for healing one another. And every single time that's happened, there's been at least one person who's come to one of us and said, I don't, I don't understand. And they've got tears in their eyes. I don't understand. You know, don't understand. But I don't understand why did that person get healed. I prayed for them. Because they feel so disqualified that they're not worthy to be used for that. And we just get to explain it's not about you. It's about God. It's about God. His love for you and his love for this person. And his desire for you to be available for him to flow through to that person. He invites us into the family of business. Calls us sons and daughters. It's like God and sons and daughters. Inc. Healing for all. Every one of us. But you know, honestly, I I did feel disqualified. And I could say that to you all and just stop right there. And I know some of you would think, well, yeah, but you're not disqualified like I am. You didn't do anything really bad. I mean, look at you. You go around teaching God stuff. You went to seminary. You've been a pastor. And that goes on to the end. <laughs> because that doesn't exempt me from really bad choices. So I told you that I prayed for a long time for Bill to be saved, and he gets saved. I used to think that once he got saved, 
was such a shock when that was not how it went. I just was stunned. I thought, this man has so many problems. If God will just save him, then our marriage will be perfect. (laughs) And it was only when both of us were saved and filled with the Spirit that God had us in a place where he could begin to do the deep roto-rootering in each of us that needed to happen for us to be able to get where he wanted to take us. So things just started to kind of fall apart. I guess I need to give you a little bit of background on myself, ever so little. But my core belief throughout my life had been nobody really wants me. I have nothing of value to say. I should be silent and nobody wants me. Those kinds of things. It it came from a lot of stuff that we're not going to go into now. But it was at the core of my belief system. In fact, it was so deep in there that to me it was not a belief. It was a fact. And I never questioned it. I never questioned why would that be true. Why would I think that? I just knew that it was true. Nobody really wants me. So this whole thing of rejection was huge for me. And Bill gets saved, and he gets honest, and he starts telling me about his life before salvation. And it was devastating to me. Because what I wanted was to be chosen, to be cherished, to be number one in somebody's life, my husband. And I'm feeling now that he's revealed things to me that that's not, that's not been true. I've lived a lie. And, and now you would think, she's been to seminary. She's an ordained pastor. The woman must know how to deal with things, Right? That's what you'd want, right? Ah, if only. Because I wasn't that person. I was just a person who was broken inside. Seminary doesn't fix you. Getting ordained doesn't fix you. God does. And I didn't have that yet. It was all there. It was in the package that was given me when I was saved. But you know, you got to appropriate some things. And I hadn't yet. There were things I had not yet appropriated. And so when I I learned this reality, it's just like, honestly, I was in such shock. I didn't have conscious thoughts about things. I just had this deep gut about things. And out of that place, I reacted. And not intelligently, and certainly not in a godly way. And my reaction was, there was somebody who was attracted to me, and all of a sudden, I'm attracted, and I'm thinking, I must be okay. Because I look up to this person, I think this person has something of value. And because of that, if that person's attracted to me, then maybe I have something of value. Maybe I'm valuable. Maybe I'm lovable. Maybe I'm desirable. And I almost hesitate to say this, because it's like, trying to make it less than it was, it was an emotional relationship, an emotional affair. But I also read my Bible, and I'm real clear that it's no less than if I were having a full-on affair. It's every bit as wrong and damaging. Well, maybe not every bit as damaging, but it's certainly every bit as wrong. Well, 
things weren't going really well in the marriage anyway at that point, and I finally had a crisis of conscience, and I come and I tell Bill about this relationship, and you know, it's kind of surprising, but that didn't help the marriage. <laughs> Go figure. And it, it just got to the point where we were like two porcupines living in a small box with our quills continually poking each other. It was painful. Good morning would start World War III each day. And, and neither of us is mean, are mean people, but we were in a bad place. And I finally just said, you know, I, I can't do this. I have to move out. I have to move in with my friend. I need some space. This is not working. It hurts too much. <clears throat> and I did. And I, we were in counseling with a Christian counselor who was a little panicked by that because she said, that, that really scares me because that's usually the first step towards the end of it all. And, you know, I, I'd like to see us work through some things if we can. And I said, I can't. I can't this way. I, I just need some space. And so I moved in with my friend. And it was November of 1995. And so we're entering into the holiday season. And we're getting close to December. And our daughter, who at that point was grown, she had moved out. She's self-supporting. We live in her own place. And she's in our face every time she sees us. mom and dad. This is not okay, mom and dad. And then what do you do with that? Well, I mean, we're just doing the best we can. We're, we're doing life poorly, but it's the best we can do it at that point. And she says, mom and dad, we are going to celebrate Christmas together. Oh gosh, that does not sound like fun to either Bill or me. And she says, we're going to decorate the Christmas tree, mom and dad. And we're going to decorate it together in the, in the condo where, where I had been living with Bill, but now I've moved out, and so he lives there alone. But we're all three going to gather there in the condo to decorate the Christmas tree. And then we're going to go out to dinner. This is Friday night. We're going to go out to dinner, and then we're going to go to a play. <clears throat> it would sound like a lovely evening if everybody was being lovely, but everybody wasn't, and it was a difficult evening. And it was made more difficult by the fact that there had been a few little things happening along the way in the counseling sessions that made me think, Maybe there's just the teeniest, tiniest glimmer of a hope for our marriage. And if there is, then I know that I have to end this other relationship. And at that point, the man was halfway around the world for several weeks, and I sent a fax to him. It was before the day of, of email. I sent a fax, and I said, there might be a chance for our marriage, and I cannot have any further contact with you. And I knew he would honor that, and he did. I sent that fax on... Friday, the 8th of December. That night, our daughter and I joined Bill in the condo for the great Christmas decoration. Well, it was a bad night for me. I'm feeling like I've just thrown away my life preserver, and I don't know how I'm going to survive now. I am, I am just down in the depths, about as low as you can get, and trying to put on a good game face for the daughter. Bill, one of his least favorite things about Christmas was the Christmas tree. Getting it to stand in the stand, getting the lights on, and they're all working. I mean, it just, it was not something he looked forward to each year. And this year, a 
aside from everything else that was going on, we had this problem with the tree because we had a trunk that was about this big and we had a stand that was about this big. And we had moved a couple of years previously from our large house with all of our tools and equipment and all that stuff into the small condo. And so we had a lot of stuff in storage that was inaccessible, including all of Bill's tools, including a saw that would have made it fairly easy to whittle that tree stump down so that he could get it into the stand. So he's left with the serrated kitchen knife. And poor Bill, he's, he's graduated from the point of, he used to think that he had to wear a tie and long sleeve shirt and his doctors and, you know, dress like that was because that was how he dressed for work when he was in the business world. Now he'd gotten to the point where he didn't wear that uniform anymore. He, he didn't wear a tie unless it was a wedding or a funeral anymore. And we're going out to a nice restaurant and to a play, so he has honored us by dressing up and he's got the tie and the long sleeve shirt and he's there with the serrated knife and he's sweating as he whittles away at this trunk that he doesn't even want to bother with and we're both in a bad place he finally gets the tree in the stand and that's about it for the night we've barely got time to eat and rush off to the play at the end of the play which by the way was Les Miserables I know. <laughs> At the end of the play, we're walking out to our cars, and our daughter says, Mom and Dad, we are not through decorating the tree. Mom and Dad, we're getting back together. When can we do that? Oh, Bill and I are both thinking we are so through. Okay, I guess Sunday will work for all three of us. Sunday afternoon, after everybody's been to church, we'll get together. Now understand, for those of you who don't know much of our story, not only were we living in different locations, we were going to different churches. I was in a church, I was actually co-pastor in a church that was really directed to the poor in downtown San Diego. Bill was in the vineyard. The vineyard was a renewal church. The whole Toronto thing was a vineyard thing, and this vineyard church was full-on into the renewal thing. So all the kinds of stuff, the craziness that goes on in meetings, the flipping, the flopping, the falling, the foaming, the thrashing, the rolling, all of it, all of that was going on in this Toronto thing and anybody associated with it. Well, there were a couple of people from our little church that went to a Toronto-style meeting, and they came back with a very bad attitude. Their attitude was sort of like this. We found something you don't have, and until you have it, you don't really have anything. That was pretty much what they were saying to us, and none of us appreciated that, and all of us judged Toronto based on those couple of people, which was a huge mistake, but that was where we were. That was what we did. And so we wanted nothing to do with Toronto, and I'm thinking, Bill, yeah, you deserve that Toronto stuff. You fine. You just be over there and do that. I'm in a real church. We're caring for the poor. We're good Christians. So, I've been to my church Sunday morning, he's been to his church, we come together, and we really don't have anything to say to each other, or at least not anything we want our daughter to hear. So, we're just focused on get the tree decorated, and to fill the awkward silence, Bill is telling stories, which, no 
learned from last night. He's the expert at that. So he's telling stories, and the story he happens to tell is about this young woman who showed up at his church that morning. But to understand the significance of that morning, you need to know the week prior. So Sunday night, each Sunday night, his church had a renewal service with all the craziness involved. And it was a glorious, according to him, renewal service. And everybody was just getting touched by God. And it was, ah, it was just off the charts. And I'm picturing, I bet it was. And he says, and then this young woman brought her friend over to Bill. And she says, would you pray for my friend? And the friend, it turns out, is one of these who has a dark cloud over her head. And she's just like depressed and can't. She says, I know this is real. I know this is God. I've experienced this before, but frankly, I'm so far from God, as close as he is here, it's not touching me. I can't feel a thing. I can't enter in nothing. And so Bill prays for her, and of course the cloud disappears, and oh, she's so happy. And she comes to church Sunday morning, and she just comes running in, and she throws her arms around him, and thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been the best week I've ever had. And I start thinking of a friend of mine who has the dark cloud thing going. And I'm thinking, "Ah, maybe my friend needs to go to his stupid church. (laughs) And she won't go if I don't go with her. I don't want to go to his church. I really don't want to go to his church, but I love my friend. And if she might be helped, then I guess I should at least offer. So I say to Bill, Would it be okay if my friend and I come to your church tonight? Now, Bill's church, that was his sanctuary. That was his safe place. That was his place where he would just go and be in the presence of God. And, you know, all the pain that he was carrying and just all the the chaos that was going on, it just kind of would melt away in that place. That was a good place to go, a place where I wasn't. And now I'm saying, can I come And how do you tell someone, no, you can't come to my church? You can't, right? So, of course, you all can come. So, this is now two days after I've let the life preserver go. We've had two miserable experiences around the Christmas tree. And now that night, I'm coming to his church. Can the weekend get any worse? So. The renewal services, there was just worship and then there was ministry. And the worship, I mean, I was surprised. It wasn't bad. Well, I mean, it was, it was, you could actually call it good. It's like, I didn't know these people knew how to worship. Isn't that something? And during worship, God's just kind of working on my heart. And so when the, the pastor gets up at the end of worship and says, Whoever just wants more of God's love in them, just to be touched by him, come on, we'll pray for you. And I turned to Bill. We're sitting on the front row. I don't know why. We're sitting on the front row. And I turned to him and I say, should we go get prayer from your pastor? And, and I can't even believe these words have come out of my mouth. And he goes, yeah, I think we should. Now, his pastor had counseled us a couple of times, knew sort of what was going on in our lives and certainly knew that we were separated and pretty much headed to the complete end of the marriage, he takes us back to a corner, the back corner of the sanctuary. And he told us later, he said, that's actually the lost and found section. That's where I took you. (laughs) 
So we go back to the lost and found section. God knows we were so lost. And Gary starts to pray for us. Now, I had been prayed for by Gary before. And I knew how heavy-handed he was. He didn't really practice the laying on of hands, but the leaning on of hands. And I thought, nobody is pushing me down here. So he starts to pray for me, and I'm just tense, and I'm like digging my feet into the carpet, you know, and nobody's going to push me over. And then I hear him say, God, let her find her identity in you. And as he says that, I just start down to the carpet. To my horror, I'm now one of them. (laughs) Because when he said that, you see, the Lord for about two weeks prior had been speaking to me and saying, what you're doing. You think because this person that you think is special, if they think you're special, that somehow makes you special. If they love you, that somehow makes you lovable. You can't, you can't get those needs met that way. No person can meet those needs for you. I'm the only one who can. Okay, so I've got that information in my head. I know it's God speaking, so I know it's truth, but How do you get that truth down into your heart? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I still don't know how you get it down there. But I just know that as Gary speaks these words, Lord, let her find her identity in you. I know that he's talking about what God's been talking to me about. And as I go down, the most amazing thing happens. Now, understand, Gary didn't know about this conversation that God and I had been having. You need to know something about God. You probably know a lot of the names for God. My personal favorite is Jehovah Sneaky. Because Gary didn't know that about my conversation with God, but God gave him what he needed to know for me to hear it. And as I go down to the floor, and then Bill goes down and they're just almost on top of me, and at that point, Gary said, okay, I'm done, and he walks away. I just sit up after a minute or so, and the best way I know how to explain this, it's like I had been wearing these glasses that were really dark and all cracked and dirty, smudgy, and that was how I saw everything, through those glasses. But somewhere between there and there, somebody replaced the glasses. And now I've got these glasses on that are giving me, like, 2020 3D vision, HD. Everything's clear, sparkly. And what I, what I finally came to realize was that in that process, somehow God filled my heart with his love in such a way that that hole in my heart no longer existed. My heart was filled with his love. And as I sat up and looked at Bill with my heart filled with God's love, all I could say was, I don't know what we're doing apart, but I've got to move back in as soon as possible. And we've got to get to Toronto as quickly as we can, (laughs) which we did. We went there January 1st. 
1996. We went to stay for a week, and God kept us for three weeks. And just to keep it honest with you, you know, I had thought this man has so many problems. If God would just touch him, everything would be fine. The reason we stayed in Toronto for three weeks was because of all the deep work God was doing. fills us with his love and he meets those deepest needs in us and he fills us so full that we can begin spilling three disqualifiers I have bad comparisons consequences, bad choices, and God says, too bad. You can't be disqualified. I've already pre-qualified you. For I am his workmanship, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He says, come on, won't you do it? I've already done. I've done the hard stuff. You get to do the easy stuff. Well, we came back from Toronto, and I immediately knew that God was saying, leave your church and go to Bill's church. And I was really fine with that. The hard thing for me was, I mean, I'd had a, I'd had a position. I had an identity in this other church. Now I go to Bill's church, and I have nothing well, I have Bill, and that's a lot, but you know, it's not mine personally. So I feel like I'm riding his coattails now, and, and he is this just on this rocket ship going to town, and I'm thinking, okay, okay, I understand. There's just some things that you're disqualified for, and it's not that God loves me any less. It's just that I disqualified myself for that, and Bill kept saying, nonsense. This is for you, too. And he'd just pull me along and he'd say, you get to do this too. Come on, you do this. Come on. I want to do that this morning for anyone here who has disqualified themselves for any reason. I want to say, come on, this is for you too. You get to do this. This verse, this is for you. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for amazing things, including healing. And he's already prepared it beforehand and he's just saying, come on and walk with me. Come on, let me flow through you. Come on. And Bill keeps saying that to me until finally I said, okay, 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 I'll try, I'll try. And we ended up going to Brazil. My mother wanted to give us a, um, <clears throat> an anniversary gift and send us somewhere exotic and romantic. And I said, you know where I really want to go? Bill's going on a trip with Randy to Brazil, <clears throat> and I really want to go. And she's looking at me like, I don't get you at all. <laughs> but if that's what you want give that to you. And so I went. And I, it was such fear and trepidation. It was a small team. There were about 14 of us on the team. <clears throat> and we went in. I don't remember if it was the first or the second meeting, but there were there were a thousand people there. Maybe more. And Randy says, anybody on my team that's gotten words of knowledge, come up and give them. And I'm going to pray over people for healing. And so I think 
I'm still single. Of course, I don't have a yoga knowledge. And people get healed, and then Randy gives his message, and then anybody else that needs healing, come on up, and our team's going to line up here in front. You just come to somebody, and they'll pray for you. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, God, please send me easy things, God, please, because I, I can't do this. Well, of course not. And it's so silly because nothing's hard for him. It's all easy. But we just get crazy thinking sometimes. Well, okay, I do. You probably don't. So somebody starts coming to me. And it's this woman. And she's got these, like, Coke bottle thick glasses. And she gets it in my face. And she goes. And she takes those glasses off. This close to you is on. I can't tell if you're a man or a woman, black or white. You are a gray blur. And I told God, I'm not leaving until he heals me. And I'm thinking, where? Where are you, Bill? Come, come Bill. Randy, somebody, please help me here. Everybody's got a line like 30, 50 people deep. Nobody can come help to see astigmatism go in Jesus' name. Vision clear. And I know I'm going to have to check in, so why prolong the agony? Let's just find out nothing's happened. She'll leave. I can just quietly disappear. Okay, so any difference? Yes. It's about 20% better. I said something you would never say. Really? <laughs> Let's do it again. And I did it again a few more times until she was 100% healed. Yeah. Whew. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you're a believer, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you have Holy Spirit, and this is for you. Oh, but I've never prayed for anyone. Well, then I guess it's time. Oh, but I don't know how. Well, then just do it. I I'm afraid. Fine, do it afraid. It really doesn't matter. I mean, we teach a healing model, and we might do some of that this weekend. But really? What matters is making yourself available to God. You are his workmanship. You have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. God's prepared them beforehand. He says, come on, won't you step into them? I want to ask you to stand, and we're going to pray for, I guess that we would be me. No, pray for that impartation to increase on you, and then we're going to see what God wants to do. So just open your heart. You might want to hold out your hands just like you're receiving something. <clears throat> and here's where I want to start with you. If you recognize 
that you've kind of held back for whatever reason, any reasons I mentioned or your own reasons. If you've thought this is not for you, you can't do this, you don't want to try, you're scared, whatever. I would suggest just go to your go to your dad. Tell him this is where I've been with this whole healing thing. This is what I thought, but I've heard that scripture now. She's pounded it in my head. I am your workmanship. I was created in Christ Jesus for good works, apparently including healing. And you've prepared it beforehand. And here I am to accept your invitation. You can tell him you're scared. It's okay. He knows anyway. You can tell him your disappointment when you haven't seen had things happen previously. You can tell him how you've compared yourself to others and feel like you've come up short. can tell him how you've felt unworthy because of bad choices you've made. You know, just the telling him, it's not like you're giving him news he doesn't already have, but you're releasing yourself from it. God, I recognize this is where I've been, and I give it to you now. Take it. I don't want to hold on to it anymore. It as an excuse anymore. I don't want to hide behind it anymore. I want to be who you say I get to be and do what you say I get to do. So just release it to him. Now, Holy Spirit. that they would lay those hands on the sick and they would recover, that blind eyes would see and deaf ears would hear, the lame would walk and the dead would be raised to new life. Holy Spirit, fall. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Release your power. Oh, increase the anointing. Stir up the gifting. Come, Holy Spirit, more. More. Show. Ho. Ho. Just come, Holy Spirit. Father, not that we would be glorified, but that you would be glorified. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Just come, Holy Spirit, even more. Ho. Just receive it. Mm. Just receive it. More, Lord. Greater release of that healing anointing on your people. A greater energizing, Lord. A greater energizing. More empowering. Just come, Holy Spirit. Show. Come, Holy Spirit, even more. Even more.
want you to look at your hands. Oh, holding a palm facing you. And I want you to prophesy to your hands. I want you to repeat after me. These hands, oh, are holy hands. Oh, they are filled with the power of God to destroy the works of the enemy. Mm, these hands are weapons of mass destruction. As I lay these hands on the sick, the sick will recover, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, and the dead will be raised to new life. These hands are consecrated to the work of God. I enter into his invitation, thankfully, joyfully, expectantly, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Woo, why don't you have a seat for a minute? Oh. Phew. <laughs> okay. We can't just talk about it, can we? We got to do it, huh? Shoot. Ho. wasn't what I was expecting to hear. That's why I keep waiting for something else. But I keep hearing it, so I guess I'll go with it. Ah, eyes. <clears throat> if you need healing in your eyes for whatever reason, your vision isn't real good, you have cataracts, macular degeneration, um, glaucoma, pain in your eyes, eye disease, any kind of eye condition that you'd like God to heal, why don't you stand? Okay, um, wow, okay, find somebody standing, those of you who are standing and face each other, some of you are going to need to move other places. I want you to ask the person what needs to be healed in their eyes, their vision, a disease, um, a condition, what is it that needs to be healed? <laughs> okay, don't, don't start praying yet. Okay, 
if you're a man and a woman together, the woman get prayer first. If you're two men, the one whose birthday is first in the year, you get prayed for first. Okay, so figure that out real quickly. All right, whoever's going to get prayed for first, here's what I want you to do. Because we're not going to come by and spit in your eyes. But we do frequently see, as we do this as a prophetic act, that, that things happen. So I want you to lick your fingers and just put them, put them on your eyes. If you, if, no, the person getting prayer. Lick your fingers and put them on your eyes. All right. Now the person who's going to minister, I want you to, shh, I want you to put your hands on their hands. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and begin to minister to them. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come in power. Power for healing. Release that healing anointing through these hands that are being laid on. I speak to eye conditions, glaucoma, macular degeneration, cataracts. Go now in Jesus' name. Floaters, leave now in Jesus' name. Just dissolve and disappear. I command the eyes to see clearly. All astigmatism go in Jesus' name. Long, um, long distance problems be corrected now. Short distance problems be corrected now. I command the, um, the muscles in the eye, the retina, the pupil, everything to come into divine order in Jesus' name. I break the power of any afflicting spirits causing eye problems, and I command those spirits to go now in Jesus' name. Father, I ask for your angels to come and minister with your people, to come and release heaven's healing balm, the eye salve of heaven, into their eyes, that their vision would be completely restored, their eye problems would be completely gone. Come, Holy Spirit, even more, even more. Just come, Holy Spirit. Okay, take another 10 seconds, wrap it up, bless them, and then everybody be quiet. Okay, you're finished. Now, we're not going to check in yet. What I want you to do is switch the other person now. Lick your fingers, put them on your eyelids, and those of you who just received ministry, you start praying. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and then just begin to pray as the Lord leads you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come again in power. I release that healing anointing through your people, Lord. Healing anointing flow like a river into these eyes. Eye conditions be healed. Glaucoma, macular degeneration, cataracts, go now in Jesus' name. Floaters dissolve, disappear in the name of Jesus. I command the... Um, the retinas, the pupils to come into divine order, the eye muscles to work as they're designed to, to work, long distance problems go away now in Jesus' name, eyes see clearly, astigmatism go, close up reading problems disappear now in Jesus' name, eyes be healed in the name of Jesus. And Father, again, I ask for your angels to come and minister to your people to bring the eye salve from heaven that's going to bring healing to their eyes to apply it now. Holy Spirit, come in power. Vision 
be restored in the name of Jesus. Okay, I want you to wrap it up in the next 10 seconds. Bless them. And then everybody turn to the front. Face me, please. Please. Now, those of you who have were just doing the praying, you've had a moment for your eyes to readjust. So I want you to look around. And those of you who are just taking your fingers off your eyes, give your eyes a few seconds to readjust. And I want you to look around. You might need to get something to read if your problem was a reading problem. You might need to look far across the room if you couldn't see things at a distance. Um, if you had floaters, notice, are they still there or are they gone? Um, some things you might not be aware of it. Some of you might have had pain. Okay, now here's what I want to ask. If you see a change, for the better, if you see a change, I want you to raise your hand. Something has happened that you're aware of. Yeah? Yeah? Okay, back there. What happened? Thank you, Lord. Brent, you were raising your hand? It's clearer. That, that's healing, yes. Thank you, Lord, for the healing that you're doing. Somebody else, I saw a hand raised. Who was it? Yes, what's going on? That exit sign's much clearer. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Something's improved that you can tell. Did anybody have, is there a hand back there? Okay, yeah. Lord. Does anybody have pain in their eye? Do you have a testimony? Okay, over here. Which, like what? Like in the Bible, you mean? Oh, like the exit sign. So distance improved. Excellent. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, here. I was just going to say, as the testimonies are being released, I think there's some healing going on. Thank you, Lord. That was confirmation. Who else? Yeah, if you checked once, check again. Like, especially if it, over here. What's, I'm sorry, I couldn't understand what was Blurry vision is clear? Uh-huh. So that's like an astigmatism kind of thing, huh? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes. And, okay. Same thing for you? All right. Anybody else? Blurry vision getting better? What's going on over here? 
floated away. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Right there. Is that Christy? Hi. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Um, anybody got pain in your head, neck, shoulders area? Head, neck, shoulder. Everybody sit down except if you've got pain in your head, neck, shoulder area. I want you to stand up. Okay, if you're in the middle of a row, which I'm not sure any of you, well, you are. If you're in the middle of a row, why don't you move out into the open area so people can get to you? I want 10 people who feel like you just gave up some disqualifiers. You've been carrying some disqualifiers why you thought you couldn't do this, but you just gave them up to Jesus. I want at least 10 people to come up here, please, quickly, if you feel like you've had disqualifiers. Yeah, Bill's not one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Okay. More. Come on. Really? There's nobody else that was... <laughs> there we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> okay. This is my ministry team. Yay! Yay. Okay, ministry team, hold out your hands. Just in Jesus' name, I declare that you are his anointed, his beloved, his chosen, his called ones. You are equipped and empowered to go forth and destroy the works of the enemy. So now what I want you to do is I want you to go and just begin releasing that healing power to people just quickly, like maybe 10 seconds max. So you can just walk up to someone and in the name of Jesus, wait, 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 wait. Those of you who are standing, why don't you put your hand where the pain is so they'll have a point of contact. And you can put your hand where their hand is and just in the name of Jesus, be healed, pain go, however you want to do it, okay? And as many people as you can touch in the next minute or so. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence for healing as these hands are being laid to speak release of that healing anointing. Come, Holy Spirit, even more. I break the power of any afflicting spirits. I cancel their assignments, and I command them to go. I break the power of any assignments of the enemy, and I cancel it in Jesus' name. Father, I ask for your angels to come alongside these and ministers. Just lay your hands really, really gently on them, really gently. And just speak words of life to them and then move on to the next person. Just come, Holy Spirit, even more. Greater release of healing power. Muscles, tendons, ligaments in the neck, the shoulder, be made well and come into divine order. Headaches go in Jesus' name. Migraines go in the name of Jesus. Um, the blood vessels in the head just come into divine order now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, even more. Greater release of his healing power throughout this room. Just come, Holy Spirit, even more, Lord, even more.
Okay. Those of you who are my ministry team, you can go be seated. Those of you who are receiving ministry, please keep standing. I want you to test yourself, check your neck, move it around your head, your, you know, whatever, whatever you were getting ministry for. And if you can say there's improvement, would you raise your hand? You feel improvement. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at all of you who disqualified yourself. Look at this. Look at this. Okay, let's take some quick testimonies. How many would say I'm, I'm at least 80% better? Anybody? At least 80%? Okay, 50. Oh, over here. Okay. It's tight. It's tight. Very tight. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Back there? Are they? I can't tell. All right. So flexibility is a good thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Christy. wrong on this, but I just got a sense of something, so I'm going to step out and try it. You know what? If we don't try things, how is anything going to ever happen? Okay, here's what I want you to do. And I don't remember your name either. Marie. Marie. Yes, Marie. This is Christy. Hi. Okay, Marie, I want you to put your hand like this as if you're taking hold of like a shaft, an arrow or something. Come okay, coming out. So I need somebody behind Christy. Christy, stand right now and take it like a woman. <laughs> okay, Marie, yes. when I say now, I want you to pull it out, okay? Okay, so we just declare that anything that has been sent by the enemy against Christy has to come out now in Jesus' name, all the way out. Now I want you to just put your hand real gently, open it, and we just release the healing power of Jesus into any wounded place. We release his healing power. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, even more. Every every part of that wound be healed now in Jesus' name. Come, all pain gone. We bless you with the peace of God. We bless you with the peace of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Can I check in with you? How are you doing? What was, what's going on right now? I can definitely feel like something's in, you know, like released. released. Yeah. <laughs> it was very painful all the time. Yeah. It feels better. Yeah. Okay, put your hand there. Put your hand on hers. Just thank you, Father, for what you're doing in Christy. 
You all can extend your hands to her if you want. Just say, come Holy Spirit in power and in Christie. Total healing, total healing. We thank you, Lord, that you complete what you begin. You're a gracious God. You're a healer. Jehovah Rapha, that you have covenanted with us to be a healer. So we just say all of this has to come into divine order now in Jesus' name. All the pain gone. Everything completely restored in Jesus' name. walk or anything to test it? Just a little bit, like right, right here. Yeah. It's like this is better now, and it's, yeah, it's kind of like the same as my back was, like down. Okay. The flicking? Yes, he does. <laughs> Thank you, Marie. Okay. Okay. say it's not better or it's worse and that actually can be clues. So many times when, especially when it's a sharp pain um, and you pray for somebody and it gets worse, then it's a sign of an afflicting spirit, which is a type of spirit from the outside. Uh, some of the seers describe them as like uh, having kind of claws that they dig in so a lot of times, uh, under the anointing in particular, they'll, they'll almost dig in more, and it'll hurt worse in a particular spot. And so uh, we just break any assignment of the enemy off you in Jesus' name. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, there's no right, no authority to be there. And so we just break off that assignment in Jesus' name. Be loose, be free. Whew. Go now. Take the pain and go in Jesus' name. Just freedom of motion, freedom of movement, freedom from pain. Ha, 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 ha. Thank you, Father. 
Book Project. Okay, who right now is feeling either a heat or a heaviness in one of the hands? Right now, you're feeling a heat or a heaviness in the right hand? And just release that healing power into this. Because it's like when you get a wound, then you just need to, just real gently. His presence. Lord, thank you for your healing presence on her. And we declare that what you have started will be finished. Even when we, by the time we come back from lunch, she'll just be completely <laughs> healed. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Bless you, Christy. <laughs> Bless you. Ooh. Okay. Well, I think it's lunchtime, so we're supposed to be back at 2. Would you want to? Um, two things I wanted to say. One is um, in, this, in this journey where you're going deeper, uh, there are times where God's really going to put um, something like healing on your heart to go after. And when that happens, if this is that season for you, I want to encourage you to get more of those stuff. Certain times where when you go deep, you just have to saturate and soak in this stuff. And um, so certain certain people, whether it's Bill last night, Carol today, Dana, who you're going to hear later, are going to impact different people differently. So the ones that impact you, I just want to encourage you to get their stuff so that later on you can soak in it. By Saturday night, this place will be pretty full and guaranteed they've brought limited amounts of different things. So if there's something you really want, don't wait until Saturday night. Plus you have to 